Welcome to a very special episode of the Marvelous Madams podcast. We're your hosts, Madam Chris. And I'm Madam Amy. We are burdened with the glorious purpose of talking all things Marvel. And today, we've assembled an awesome panel of ladies to discuss the first season of Loki. Hi, I'm, uh, I'm Miranda. I'm um, from uh, Wimborne in Dorset in the UK. And um, Loki was actually the character that got me into the MCU. Hi, I'm Natalie. I'm from Indiana in the States. And I've been a big Loki and MCU fan for the last 10 years. And for me, the Avengers film was what really started my obsession. Hi, I'm Melissa. I am in Sheffield in the United Kingdom. Um, I'm a massive MCU fan. And um, I think the movie that really brought me to the MCU was uh, the first Avengers movie. Hello, I'm Charlotte. Um, I'm French and I live in Nantes in France. And I've been a low-key fan for a, a year. I discovered the MCU about a year ago, but I really, really loved it. And especially the Thor films and Loki. And I have a YouTube channel that I've just created that's called Lottie Talkie. And in, so far on this channel, I've been speaking only about Loki, but I hope to speak about more things as well. All right. So this is great. We have a nice mix of cultural perspectives here, as well as longtime fans versus newer fans. So we're going to start just talking about the show as a whole and everybody's general feelings on it from the story to, you know, the technical aspects, direction, score, costumes, all of that. So Miranda, take it away. Um, the, well, my general overview was that I didn't have any preconceptions for the series. I didn't know what they were going to give us, which direction they were going to go in. Um, and I was just grateful for any Loki content that we could get. But, um, yeah, overall really enjoyed it. Uh, I agree with Miranda. I was happy that we finally got a Loki central story and overall I really loved it. It was really unique and creative and funny and witty and it was interesting to see Loki in a setting where he's never been before and to see him away from Thor and other characters that we know. So I thought it was a really interesting way to introduce new storylines and characters. So overall, I really enjoyed it. How about you, Charlotte? Well, I really, really loved it. Um, I've, I'm a new fan, so I kind of feel like I haven't really earned this as, as much as some people who have been fans <laughs> for 10 years. But I feel like I joined the, fa the fandom at the right time, you know. Uh, a year ago was the perfect time, probably. But I, I had huge expectations. Uh, I tried not to build up my expectations, but I failed miserably. Uh, <laughs> I did have huge expectations. and it, it did not give me necessarily what I was expecting, but... I loved what it gave me anyway, you know, and uh, it actually exceeded my expectations in the best of ways. I mean, I really loved it. So, yeah, I was uh, I was delighted with the show. I know what you mean. I was never expecting most of what they gave us. And there were times where I thought I wanted one thing, but the writers were smarter than me. <laughs> There's a reason why they get paid the big bucks. 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> and Melissa, how about you? Um, I, I mean, I feel so fortunate to be alive when we were able to have WandaVision, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and then Loki mm-hmm. one after the other and sit at home um, in my pajamas <laughs> and, and, and be able to watch yes. this, these things week after week. I, I think that's fantastic. Um, I was looking forward to Loki most because I think, I feel like I know more about him than the other programs. Um, I think I was somewhat disappointed in aspects of it, in, in, in some parts of the story. I think, but overall, I really, I really enjoyed it. And it just, I feel like it opened the, the, the door to the next phase and the next bad guy. And, and, and I think that was wonderful. So yeah, it's for me, it's a, it's a mixed bag, but um, I just feel so fortunate to, to be able to sit and watch it at home. You know, we, we are so fortunate. Yeah, I think it broke down that door with a bazooka. Absolutely. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> okay, so we'll dive into things by discussing uh, the characters and, and their arcs uh, first and getting into aspects of performance and some of our favorite moments. So we will start uh, down the line with the incredible Wonmi Mosaku <laughs> playing Hunter B-15. What did we all think? Yeah, her presence was just, you know, when when she walks through that doorway and, you know, she's she's not a small lady and she just walked in in her suit and I, I was just ready to bow down to her. So I actually, I really, I, I really loved um, seeing her um, in that position. And I, I you know, she's, a, she's a, a black British woman, I believe. And so, again, for me, that was wonderful yeah. to see. Yeah, I have never seen her in anything else. And now I'm like, what have I been missing? <laughs> She's wonderful. Um, her and Juju were just perfect, I think. And their American accents, I thought, were phenomenal. Side note on that as an American. Yeah, I would never have known they were British. They were wonderful. Yeah, she was one of my favorite characters. Yeah, I thought she was amazing too. And she did so much with so little screen time as well. She she was so nuanced in her performance in the first few episodes. She was like the tough lady. But then I, I really loved also when she was playing the B-15 being possessed, being en- enchanted by Sylvie. She was so good in that mm-hmm. scene. And, mm-hmm. and the scene when she, she says, I looked happy. I thought that was one of the highlights of the show. It was so oh, moving. Yeah. I was in tears. Yeah. Yeah. And I've seen her only in one film that probably not many people have seen called Citadel. Uh, I haven't seen her in Black Mirror and the other shows that she's been in, but in Citadel, she was very good as well. So, yeah, I, I thought she was perfect as well. Wouldn't Misaku was in Black Mirror? Oh, I think so. Yeah, she's in an episode with um, Wyatt Russell. Oh. Really? Yeah. Oh, connection. I read that somewhere. I may be wrong, but I've read that somewhere. No, it's true. It's true. And I think she's in that. She's in that love. Is it called Lovecraft? 
Lovecraft Country. Yeah, because I've not seen that. I've only seen like half an episode. So, and, and, and she's in that as well. Okay. So she was, she did an episode with Wyatt Russell and was in a movie called Citadel. This is getting weird. <laughs> <laughs> Just, yes, Multiverse. yes, six degrees yeah. everywhere for sure. I think, you know, in the hands of a lesser actor, we wouldn't care so much about B-15, but she brought so much heart to the TVA. Mm-hmm. Well, she's another character that, um, you know, it's it's that blind faith. Um, you know, as we when we see her work, walk through the door um, when she first encounters Loki, and she walks through with such confidence because actually she knows what her job is and she's very good at it. And then to be placed in a position where you realise the bad guy is just giving you a piece of information about yourself, that is going to kind of turn your world upside down. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I so a, a lesser actress wouldn't have been able to give that that role justice because she didn't have a lot of screen time. Yeah. And I think we can say the same thing for Judge Renslayer. Yeah. I was very upset with the finale in that I wanted desperately to continue hating Ms. Renslayer and I could not. It made me very upset. <laughs> yeah, she's far more nuanced than we think than we thought she was. Yeah, I think she's one of those there's a couple characters in the MCU, including Loki and say Bucky, who have a dark past or have done some really bad things, but you don't really know what those are at first. And then once you learn more about them and see their experiences, I think you start to sympathize mm-hmm. with them more. And I think she's one of those kind of characters. You know, we find out that she worked in a school, you know, what, what did she do there? What were her experiences there? And I think as we go on, I hope we see more of her story and maybe understand why she did what she did in the first season. Yeah, and I caught myself even trying to convince myself, oh, she must have been a terrible principal. I bet she was <laughs> awful to those kids. Just because I wanted to hold on to that <laughs> anger at her for pruning Mobius and for you know, going along with these lies. But then, you know, Amy really made me realize that you can't hate Renslayer in one breath and love Sylvie in the other. That's very true. Yeah, I agree. And I thought it was very interesting when she said she felt that Mobius had betrayed her. And suddenly you saw that from her perspective. Because so far we thought she had betrayed Mobius. And I I agreed with Amy when she said that she was not pretending to care. you know, when she looked away, when they pruned Mobius, right. I think she really did care, but she she just put her mission above everything else. And you're very, uh, I think it's very true to say that Sylvie did the same. Um, yep. You know, whether you call that a betrayal, I think it's really up to interpretation because it's more like an, an impossible choice. Yes. You have to choose between mm-hmm. someone you care about deeply and something that you think is the higher purpose and is more important, in fact. So, yeah, I I also loved her portrayal and I also thought she was brilliant. Yes. And that was the moment for me when she said, you betrayed me, that it really kind of hit me along with everything else. And that is a credit to Gugu Mbatha-Raw. And I had only ever seen her before in Beauty and the Beast, where she was basically just a swan for the whole, a duster for the whole movie. (laughs) 
Interestingly, she's in Black Mirror too in another episode. Really? Yeah. She was excellent in Miss, hmm. I think it was Miss Sloan with Jessica Chastain. And Ooh. I saw her in that film before I saw Loki and I thought she was also brilliant. And mm-hmm. she was also able to create such presence too, being a tiny woman. I was not surprised at all that she was a, a school teacher. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's a, I'm a, that's a good point. Myself. <laughs> I'm, I'm also a teacher yeah. and I, I thought it was funny when she turned out to be a school teacher. I was like, I'm not surprised. Yeah, she definitely has that aura <laughs> about her. And frankly, I'm very, very intimidated by teachers. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because if you think back to, you know, way back to the beginning of episode one, she was taking no shit from Loki at that sentencing. And you can imagine a kid standing <laughs> in, front of, in front of her desk in the same vein. <laughs> I mean, he is kind of a child in a way. <laughs> child, childlike mind, mind, and yeah, it's kind of similar. <laughs> yes. So, uh, sticking with the TVA here. Oh, you know who I forgot to put on the outline for today was. Let's get to her first. We know her here as Tiny Bitch. We will refer to her as Miss Minutes. Her proper name. <laughs> Ooh. Who loves the accent? Yes, definitely. Yes. <laughs> it's, and it was the way she was able to sound so sinister in the in the Citadel. It just that slight switch of yeah, yes, in her voice, and it it just came out completely. It was the same accent, but it was completely different. If you think about it, she's um, he who remains. She's his his personal assistant, and actually, you know, when you're trying to talk to the boss, and they kind of <laughs> <laughs> they're the gatekeeper. She very much is 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 the gatekeeper <laughs> in in everything that happens at the TVA. You know, she knows everything. She sees everything, and um, yeah. Even though we we it, it's a it's an animation, it worked really really well. It didn't. Her character didn't make me then kind of come out of the, you know, because I'm totally immersed in what I'm watching. It didn't pull me out from what I was watching because I'm mm-hmm. not, you're not used to seeing animations in in um, the MCU, in, in these storylines. But it, it, it worked really well. I totally accepted it. It totally makes sense. Uh, Natalie, I have to ask my fellow American, were you waiting for Miss Minutes to come out with Bless Your Heart at any point? <laughs> yes. Yes. I I mean, I, I loved how she would say, hey, y'all. You know, that, that scene where she made everyone jump in the finale. Um, yeah, I was, yeah, Bless Your Heart would have been, you know, amazing. But I think Tara Strong, she's such an amazing voice actress, and she was absolutely perfect for, for Miss Minutes. And I love Miss Minutes, even though I know she's mm. definitely sinister and creepy. <laughs> but I thought she was such a great addition, and the way they incorporated her into the show. And she clearly knows more than she's letting on, and I don't think we know everything. Agreed. Still, Miss Minutes knows all. I mean, in yes. the Citadel, I wanted Sylvie to rip her little adorable little shoes off and just beat her to death with them. <laughs> well, I read that there was there was supposed to be a Miss Minutes fight okay. scene in that episode. Yeah, I saw that. Too. And I'm really disappointed we didn't get that. Yeah. I- 
<laughs> I, I am. I would have loved to see that. We know she's faster on her feet because one of my favorite bits is Loki trying to hit her with a rolled up mega scheme. Yes. 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 Oh, I forgot about that. And so, I was just wondering, uh, how would that even work? Yeah, so we need the Miss Minutes fight scene, and we also desperately need to see that deleted scene of Frog Thor beating the shit out of Loki. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. And the soundtrack that was missing as well. Like, I was. I was so sad yes. because we didn't see Ken Loki, we didn't see Avengers Loki, and we also did not hear that that beautiful soundtrack that was in the very, very first trailer, the the one they released in December. Yeah. And I think from mm-hmm. what she said, from what Natalie Holt said, it's probably the soundtrack for, for that scene because she mentioned the choir mm-hmm. and everything and that they did not include the scene because it was too goofy, which I understand perfectly. I understand why, but they really have to release it. Yeah, we did hear the choir in episode five. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, but it was not the same soundtrack. It was a different score. Okay. I mean, uh, there, there was also, if you go back to the very, very first trailer they released in December, uh, there was a very beautiful score with a choir and very epic. Oh, I know what and you're I talking think about. That yes. might be the one. Mm. I'm pretty sure we did not mm. hear that. Yeah, that may have been specifically done yeah. for the trailer. Yeah, I'm afraid it might have been, but uh, I was expecting, I was anticipating this because I thought it was brilliant. Now, see, here's what Charlotte, ha- here's what we need to teach Charlotte as a new Marvel fan. Never trust a Marvel trailer, ever. <laughs> they, li- they lie no. to you. They pull yeah, you in and it's yeah. all lies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I heard that from, from other Marvel fans, but uh, I, I would still say I don't think it's very good practice. You know, I, I, I like misdirection. I think that's cool. Like, for example, they show you stuff and you don't know the context, so you get it mm-hmm. wrong. Like, for, exa- for example, D.B. Cooper, I don't think many people expected him to be an actual flashback from Loki's real life. I yeah. thought everyone thought mm-hmm. he would be a variant or something. So, for example, that was mm-hmm. cool. Um, maybe even President Loki, the fact that he was not really a major character. It was just a variant that we saw very quickly. Mm-hmm. So that, for me, that's okay because it's, you know, it's legit. People speculate it's on them. But when they show footage that does not actually exist, I find that quite frustrating. But I, I think maybe it might have to do also with all the changes they had to do at the last minute. That's true too. You know? Yeah, mm-hmm. especially with COVID. Yeah. They only finished yeah. the show right before episode three. Yeah. That and they purposely mm-hmm. do that because people... Uh, like to really go by frame by frame and try to figure stuff out in trailers. So they purposely put in or remove certain aspects to ensure that people don't figure out the entire story. Yeah. So in, in Infinity War, in you know, we didn't realize that um, Hulk was yes. just going to be Bruce Banner because actually, when you see him fighting and stuff, he's he's the Hulk. Correct. So they they, they do there there is. Um, misdirections that I guess do work but yeah I can understand people feeling frustrated as Mm -hmm. well I loved Miss Minute I really like I say just um that whole vibe and the the animation as well the introduction with the animation which was really kind of reminded me of the Jetsons Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and the way they pitched that was I think mm-hmm. it was kind of to throw you off a sure. bit. Because the one thing I found with 
actually this is more about this the cinematography and the production design but the when loki's overlooking the tva when he's been first brought there and it it looks like a sci-fi note (laughs) (laughs) and this this great big area but all the internal parts are are basically 60s brutalist architecture in shades of brown Mm -hmm. and it's that juxtaposition and um and miss uh, miss minutes definitely fits more into the the 60s vibe than the yeah, sci-fi absolutely. vibe. It does. Mm-hmm. I had such an urge to watch the Flintstones after we got that TVA video in episode <laughs> one. Well, you know, she reminded me also of Battle Royale. I don't know if anyone has seen Battle Royale, but there is this video, yeah. this introductory video with a very creepy uh, girl who's very excited and talks uh, about horrible things, but as if it was very exciting and very fun. And I thought she had this kind of vibe when she explained the TVA and she was like, yay, the TVA is fun. And it really reminded me of Battle Royale with the, the, the video they show the students at the beginning before they start killing each other until there's only one yeah, left. Yeah, I've forgotten about that. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. So now that tiny bitch is done with, <laughs> we will move on. We will move ahead to a man that I never imagined. I would love so goddamn much Agent Mobius. He just works so well. He he just they they really did cast the the right person. His mannerisms, his voice, his personality. Do you know what I mean? He's just like he's he he talks like one of those, you know, those dads who just, you know, they're they're trying to teach their child something, the child's been naughty and they're just trying to talk talk to them to make them realise where they've gone wrong. That was this kind of voice. And I just thought he was he played it perfectly and he was so funny and and kind and there was I just felt so sad that he he'd never been on a jet ski but he's got this jet ski <laughs> magazine and I just it was just so sad that he you know he's saying that this is like the, for, for you know for a moment in time this was like a perfect creation yet he'd never actually experienced it and I, I just thought oh god they, he just played it so well he really really did I felt really connected to him what did you all think when you heard Owen Wilson was cast? I'm curious. I instantly was, I mean, for me, I was like, oh, we get Owen Wilson and Tom Hiddleston together again. Because, you know, they were in Midnight in Paris together. Yeah. So for me, it was more, I think, about that than the character, because I didn't really know anything about, you know, who he was playing. And Marvel never misses on casting, so I pretty much trust anybody that they're mm-hmm. going to cast. <laughs> yeah, and they certainly hit the nail on every head with this show as far as casting. Right. I honestly, I thought they were insane. I could not picture the <laughs> Owen Wilson I know in a Marvel production. But again, they're smarter than me, clearly. Yeah, I think whoever cast Owen Wilson in this role was a genius, really, because it was so unlikely and it worked so, so well. Mm-hmm. And I think really the interactions between Loki and, and Mobius are my favorite scenes. They're, they're all perfect, whether they're like lighthearted and funny mm-hmm. or very, very heavy stuff, like in episode four when Mobius is really angry and hurt mm-hmm. and 
and he's so good. Like both of them are so good at you know conveying nuance in their voice. Like when they say one thing, but you can see they don't really mean it, and they're not very convincing. Mm -hmm. And both of them are very good at lying, but sometimes you can just see through the lies. And and the actors are just so so good at doing this. I think, and he's so human as well. Um, I think episode one. It was there was a danger that episode one would look a bit like abused because they were breaking down Loki. They were first they were kind of making fun of him and kind of humiliating him and then breaking him down and it could have felt like abuse almost. But because Mobius was so so nice in a way, you know, it it worked. It, it felt more compassionate than abusive, I think. Yeah, that whole episode made me wonder if they actually like went and studied classic police interrogations it was just so well constructed yeah and at first we were not sure if he cared for real I, I remember you discussed that in your early episodes that maybe he was pretending to care but uh, then we discovered that he actually did care a lot mm -hmm. in episode mm -hmm. four when we saw how angry he was at Loki's betrayal again betrayal you know what's his betrayal yeah, I think more than any other character on the show, Mobius represents the best of humanity. Yeah, I have a little bit of a problem with that because essentially, yes, he was angry at the betrayal, but then he effectively threw him in the time cell to be tortured by Lady <laughs> Sif nearing him in the balls repeatedly. Yes, that's true. Which That, that was a lot of fun to watch, yeah. I have to say. It was a lot of fun to watch, <laughs> but at the same time, it's—he's it's, obviously spent so long at his job. He can do. He can switch. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, like Charlotte was saying about some of it, you could look at it as abuse, and I, I think there is. I think there's that other side. It's not a com complete friendship, and I think they wash over that a little bit for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in the same way that some people are comfortable in Ragnarok when Thor uh, puts the, the little electric thing on Loki and like, kind of tortures him as well. And mm -hmm. yeah, it, it can be a bit disturbing. And at the same time, you know, he survived mm -hmm. being Hulk smashed. So like, physically, at least he's very, very resistant. But yeah, it was more like psychological torture. But I, in that episode, I would say I yeah. was talking about the first one. When I said it did not feel like abuse in this one, mm -hmm. I think it was it was more disturbing because Mobius was really very angry and he was unable to listen to Loki and see that he was actually being honest. And mm -hmm. Yeah, I did feel mm -hmm. that he was going a bit far. That's true. You definitely have a point. But at the same time, I think it was necessary for Loki to spend some time in that cell with Sif. He had his own mini arc within that time cell he needed mm -hmm. to come to certain conclusions about himself in there so i think it was very much necessary even if it was what we consider you know like a strong arming tactic and loki even says that to him and yes mobius did react in anger but he's still at his core and you know an analyst they call it he's a cop and he's mm. exceptional mm. at his job and i can't fault him you know, for doing that job well, to a point, you know? And to be fair, he's not the only one who's been tortured in the MCU. Uh, you mentioned about uh, the electric thing on Loki's neck. Well, Thor 
had that for a bulk of the movie as well. And anytime he did something, he got zapped. Bucky too for and and you could argue Black Widow. Yes. Um mm-hmm. in many ways. And and you could you could even argue Hawkeye too being mind controlled Correct. Yeah. by Loki. The original Loki mm-hmm. and um Scarlet Witch, you know, Absolutely. at some point. You know, everyone was Yeah, and because everybody needs control. therapy. Shock <laughs> <laughs> <Check> therapy. <laughs> yes, but I'm not. I'm not sure that he needed it that much at that point. I think Mobius was a bit late on Loki's development. I think he thought he was still stuck in his like narcissism because he had missed what happened mm-hmm. on Lamentis, and he probably misinterpreted that when he said you just you just fell for yourself you're a narcissist i think actually what happened just before is that he finally stopped being a narcissist at that moment mm-hmm. i think he he mm-hmm. recognized Sylvie not as a mirror of himself but as another person and that's what really triggered the nexus event it was not him being in love with himself i think but mobius interpreted it as such because he had not seen that development take place so i don't know i it probably did push him even further that he was able to confront Lady Sif and apologize to her and say I'm a narcissist but I think in a way he was already there Mm -hmm. yeah and you you know what you said about nuance with Mobius it comes right back to it he does such a great Mm -hmm. job walking the line sometimes with truth and lies is that when he's lashing back at Loki against about when he's lashing out about the Nexus event saying you fell for yourself I'm not entirely sure how much of that was truth for Mobius and how much of that was the act to get a rise out of Loki as more of an interrogation technique. It's hard to tell. Yeah. And Owen Wilson does a fantastic job of keeping it ambiguous. And I think one of the things we do have to remember, first of all, Mobius shows more compassion and empathy towards Loki than Odin ever does in the movies. Um, yes. And then, and then, secondly, yes. Mobius is trying to um, stop, um, you know, a, a, a multiverse. He's trying to stop this variant of Loki from destroying what he believes is 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 kind of the world, you know. And so, when you're in that situation, what are you going to do to prevent? the world from being in chaos you, you, you're going to do what you need to do and even though he he has respect for Loki is really curious about him he's still got a job to do and the job he has to do is pretty urgent because actually mm-hmm. that you know crossing that that you know that timeline um what I can't remember what you call it threshold. but um yeah if it, the, the threshold's not very big you know, they don't have a lot of time. So actually, I've got to break you down really quickly and, and find out what the hell you've done, what you're doing, and, and how can I stop you doing this? And so, and, and still in all of that, he still shows him more compassion than Odin ever did. I think it's a great point. Yeah. We see that throughout the series mm-hmm. of Mobius when he doesn't have to say things like when they're sitting at the table and Loki comes to him, when Mobius is having lunch, that great scene with the salad. And he says, Ragnarok, are you familiar? And Mobius says to him, yeah, yeah, the destruction of Asgard, everyone annihilated. I'm sorry. Yeah. 
and apologizing to him when he's on the floor saying, oh, this loop, the temp pad only loops the furniture, not you. It's those little pieces of humanity that tell you so much about Mobius's character. And I, I think Melissa makes a great point when she says he shows him more compassion than Odin ever has. And I would say even further than this, validation for his intelligence, for example. Mm-hmm. And just emotional intelligence in general. I think that the big tragedy of Loki's family is they're not very good at communicating. Mm. Uh, I think they that's love fair. him. Yeah. They love him. <laughs> but so, you know, you've got Loki. Loki is very bad at, at expressing his own emotions because he's too proud and he just keeps everything bottled up so he doesn't say what he feels. And on the other side, you've got Thor, who's not very good at reading Loki. So he just doesn't yes. understand what's going on. And Odin just doesn't really seem to care that much. But I don't know, just my, my interpretation. But uh, when you point. See, suddenly Mobius comes in and he's a guy who actually has emotional intelligence and he's able to break down Loki's barriers in like 20 minutes. And of course, he's very good at his job, but it just shows how little emotional intelligence the others had in a way. Yeah, and I think especially for Thor, yeah. he's a bit of a dumb dumb. I love him, but he's a bit <laughs> dumb. And I feel like this series made that a little more glaring even because we see that, you know, Loki's not always as clever and cunning as he thinks he is. So that means Thor was falling for a lot of stuff he probably shouldn't have. Mm. Well, he turned into a snake <laughs> because <laughs> because he knows he likes snakes and then turned back and stabbed him. So, um, you know, yeah, they, they, he isn't the brightest, but it's it's not his job to be smart. It's his job to be a good fighter. And, and so he's good at what he does. Everybody in that family has a specific role and they're good at their role, but communication isn't part of it for any of them. I also think Thor never actually understands Loki. He's he's so different to him that he always reacts in a certain way. Before we move on to our two leads and uh, the finale and whatnot, let's spend a little time talking about these variants, in particular, Mr. Richard E. Grant, because this man was too much. Fantastic. Um, just amazing. Absolutely love. I love the way they took the direction they took him in because I must admit from the trailers and the build up, I'd kind of assumed he was old King Loki and he was going to be behind mm-hmm. it all. And they completely right. turned that on its head. And he's almost like the hero. He sure was. <laughs> it was incredible the, the way they wrote him an arc yeah. with hardly with very little mm-hmm. screen time in a single episode. And how he was yeah. able, able to sell it as well with such a costume. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to be moving, to be actually moving while wearing a ridiculous costume. Yeah. And also, he mm-hmm. portrayed all that emotion in such a short time in such a way that we connected with him. And because yes. I've, I've not read any of the comics, so I found his character really fascinating. And, you know, he he beat Thanos. That's what he says, isn't it? And and then he went went off to be kind of in solitude, but he missed his brother. And just because he wanted to go and see his brother, he got pruned. And so I felt really sad for him because actually he was lonely and he needed his family. And because of that, that, you know, they, 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 they pruned him. And, um, 
he was so angry when all the Lokis were fighting. And he says, you know, we can't change. We we're just, we're, we are who we are. And I think he doesn't realise that actually he did change. He mm-hmm. was a, a different, he was a different person now. He, he'd matured and he understood what was important. And even him making that decision to stay and fight, and so he he actually did find his glorious purpose, and I just I re- I really loved it. And that episode made me think, obviously, about the Wizard of Oz, and mm-hmm. um, because you know you're in the mm-hmm. Emerald City mm-hmm. and and what's behind the curtain kind of thing. But I just mm-hmm. he just did such a good job in a really really short amount of time. I thought it was excellent. Yeah, when he showed back up using his magic, that was an on your left moment for me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, initially I thought that it was uh, it was Sylvie who had enchanted Elias because it seemed to stop and there was green and and in fact it was classic Loki. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and one of the funniest things I have read about the show is that he said it in a number of interviews. Now Richard E. Grant thought, even heading to Atlanta, thought the entire time that he was going to get a muscle suit. <laughs> yeah, and, I read that. yeah, and yeah. he was just horrified when they were like, "Put the tights on, old man." You know, <laughs> put your underpants over your trousers in classic <laughs> And I thought it was perfect because seeing him there, just you know, older and out of shape, it lended to that whole feeling of being desolate and kind of washed up and it really fit in with that disgusting man cave (laughs) (laughs) did we talk about the man cave there was like that weird uh almost santa santa claus throne (laughs) that kid loki was sitting on with his icy ecto cooler box uh, and it was like it was a bowling Mm -hmm. alley too yeah they did actually ship in a bowling alley They did. Oh, they You're did. Okay. <laughs> I mean, the production design on that—they were just like throwing throwing things at the wall, and they're like, "Yeah, that's that's great. It's crazy, but it'll work." Yeah, it's candy canes. We'll find them. <laughs> yeah, I can also see actually if if our Loki had had the opportunity, perhaps he would have become classic Loki in his thinking, you know, more humble, um, more more graceful, um, and and kind of realizing what what is important in life. And it isn't about a glorious purpose and, and ruling, ruling Asgard and, and, and Earth. Um it, it's it's family and um being present with family and yeah, he, I just loved that character. I'm surprised how much I loved it until I'm hearing you all talk about it. Yeah, and I thoroughly enjoyed Jack Veal as Kid Loki, too. He's a great little actor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hope we get to see more yeah, of him. He was so good. Yeah. And and I, I guess, because in my mind, I guess with that variant, I'm just thinking he's the one who turned into a snake and and stabbed him and actually <laughs> ended up killing ended up killing him yeah. and that's what came to my mind i was like oh my gosh see what could have happened <laughs> wow i never thought about that neither that's did interesting I. yeah it's quite possible no me neither 
But I really love the way she, the way he delivered that line, though. I, I killed Thor. I don't know about you, but it completely took me by surprise. Yeah, because yeah. he's just a kid, and we think about Big Thor, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, loved it. And we've got to give boastful Loki his due as well. That liar! What a piece of shit! He was great. <laughs> <laughs> I think he'll take the due even if we don't give it to him. Yes, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> he will take it. <laughs> and we must not forget the true star of the show, the superior Loki, the gator. I thought that was one of the cutest things I've ever seen. Yeah, my 12-year-old, love, she loved that. Because yeah. like I said, we've not read the comics, so we don't know all these variants of him. But we we were just in fits of laughter um, because we've never seen anything like that before. And, you know, he had his crown on and he, he wore yes. it with grace. <laughs> so, yeah, it was – I mean, I don't know who the actor was, but they – he was cast very well, let's say that. <laughs> he was he was a good little cushion. Yeah, I think the actor was three blue cushions, yes. wasn't he? Stitched together. Yes, he was with googly eyes glued on. <laughs> I wanna see the footage of um President Loki rolling on the floor quoting <laughs> him because they <laughs> I have watched that scene so many times. It just gets funnier every time. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I love that they gave Alligator Loki a a proper, not really an arc, but some actual screen time. You know, I thought (laughs) it would just be a joke at first. And um, I like to call him Crocky, even though he's an alligator. I think it's just the perfect name. And uh, they actually... He had quite a lot to do in that episode. In fact, he, it was not just a one-time joke. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he actually bested President Loki. I think it showed he was a good judge of character. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but there was just something about that scream, too, that had me absolutely cracking up. <laughs> it was so yeah. unexpected. Uh, and I think um, we didn't get a lot of President Loki, but... It was unexpected for that specific type of Loki, because that um, that Loki is kind of, is is I think the most sinister of mm-hmm. that group in my opinion. Uh, I, I read those those four. It's only four comics before the show, and I hadn't read them before. And he basically is just like, you know, I think I'll just be president, and he basically tricks americans into voting for him and becoming his army and he's just very sinister and then to see his hand get bit off by the by alligator loki and then that scream it was just so hilarious natalie i think it's safe to say that for you and i at least living in the u.s these last five years that you know maybe 10 years ago we would have thought that could never happen it's silly comic book and to yeah, today it's like, yep, he could win. Yep. Not, not even a citizen. Yep, he'll win. Yep. And and that comic came out in 2016, uh-huh. so it was very poignant, I think, for the time. And the fact that they, they put him at least in the show, I think, was great, even if we didn't get as much as I wanted of him. But what I loved most about President Loki was that they managed to, as they did so beautifully throughout the series, they managed to combine comedy with tremendous character development because 
Loki's reaction to it all, mm -hmm. his face, his desperation <laughs> to get out of there speaks volumes. He was kind of like, am I really mm -hmm. like this? <laughs> his face. Uh, I'm going to get out of here. This is terrible. This is a nightmare, as he says. This yeah, is a nightmare. And that's what he needed to learn. Yes, dealing yeah. with you is a nightmare, sir. <laughs> like a, a crash course in, in self-awareness. Yes. Oh, Charlotte, that is perfectly said. Yeah. <laughs> he couldn't believe himself. I think some people on Twitter posted a meme and they said he, he can't believe himself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Amy, what was it that you had said about that? Even Loki can't believe Loki, I believe. <laughs> uh, oh, and about uh, him seeing himself, I think that's more about when you come across your old MySpace page, oh, yeah. you know, when you were really cringy as a teenager. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what it would have if I don't know if it would have been in the same in the UK, but here, MySpace, Live Journal, Dead Journal, all of that nonsense. Yeah, no, I, I very, I very much remember MySpace, and yeah, he's he's seeing um, all the sides to himself, and it's kind of it's a hard thing to accept, isn't it? When when the, like when you're looking back at your own reflection and you realise you're an utter asshole, it, it's you know, yeah, um, it, it can't be easy. But actually, there there there, there is like. But he should also hold on to the fact that you've got Kid, um, Gator, and Classic who have changed. You know, change is possible. And I think that's what he holds on to. They mm -hmm. help get him through that. And I think that's something a lot of people can identify with, of realizing when you don't know in the friend group who the asshole is, you realize it's you. I've certainly been through that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, you know, mm -hmm. in my 20s and you need better people around you then. And they're the people, they're the new people in the friend group to meet and kind of be pulled out of the swamp, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think they were absolutely crucial to Loki's character development. I'd say, mm -hmm. I'd say more so than Sylvie. I'd say actually him seeing those ones um, because I think he was looking at Sylvie differently at that time. So to actually see the male variant, I think it was really important for him to see that change Yeah, not possible. only male, but older. Yeah, I think yeah. you're right, Melissa. Yeah. yeah. Father figure. But him. Because his father figure was not a good example yeah, for him. Yeah, not a real shining star really. was Odin. No. All right. So let us move on uh, to a woman who has become my hero, who I will name my next dog after, Sylvie. I was very angry at her decision. And um, right, one thing, one thing I picked up on, and I think this is because I was like my, my podcasts and my reaction videos on YouTube were about Game of Thrones and I really kind of delved into individual characters and one of the things that stuck out for me in this was obviously she was taken as a child first of all secondly she was very happy and our Loki wasn't mm -hmm. um third she knew she was adopted our Loki didn't so that would have 
changed the dynamics of the family she was growing up in. So she left, she left a happy, healthy home. Um, she, she never came into contact with Mobius. You know, she just met Renslayer. So she never had anybody be kind and gentle to her in the TVA. And then she disappeared. So she's very much been a child who has just been really scared and has had to fight and survive and be cunning and be really smart to get to where she's gotten to. But I felt very frustrated that at the end she chose to kill him. And I don't know what she thought that would achieve Mm -hmm. because now the metaphorical shit has hit the fans and um, (laughs) what is she going to do now? And so there's that, even though through the series, I thought, oh, she's smarter than Arlo, okay. Actually, in the end, she she put her own Mm -hmm. needs and desires and her own pettiness um, ahead of the the need of the 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 galaxy the you know she it, it's it's destroyed now and the multiverse is coming and it's because of a decision she made so there's that immaturity to her and I just felt really I felt so angry in that last episode and I was talking to my daughter and I was like oh my god she's like a Karen where she goes and sees the black man he's trying to talk to her she won't listen she knows better. Um, and and she's completely messed up now. And so now she's the, I don't know what her title will be now, but she's in charge of the timelines. Is that right? Well, we don't know if she's going to do that. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, she just kind of killed Kang and kind of left it at that. But what you said about her being selfish, it's it's very much in character for a Loki we've seen so many Lokis be selfish and it's taken them a lot of work to, you know, change that attitude. And for Sylvie, well, in all honesty, I mean, she's gone through so much because of that man. She was so emotional that she couldn't think about anything else. It's been maybe hundreds of years since she's been planning to do this. And all she wanted was to find some semblance of a life. But I mean, he 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 even told her that, he, or Miss Minutes told her, actually, we can put you back in your timeline. You know, that was an option, and I don't I don't know whether I would have believed them or not that they're going to do that for me. But even that option was given to her, and just her need to um, get revenge at the cost of absolutely everything else, and at the cost of her. F- finally finding um a partner she found a partner in loki um and i I don't mean sexual partner but she found a a partner she found somebody a kindred spirit yeah and she gave all of that up to get revenge and so it you know she wasn't able at the very end to look at the bigger picture and for me it was just frustrated because i really genuinely believe she was smarter than our loki i really thought she was and at the end, none of that mattered. She needed to get revenge. Yeah, she's found I also think she didn't believe in any of it either. Anything, mm-hmm. Everything they told her, she didn't believe it. And she didn't listen to Loki when Loki said, oh, you know, I'm the liar. I know lies. And that mm-hmm. wasn't a lie. Mm-hmm. 
and I think that was that she'd been you know she'd been through so much practically her whole life that she couldn't give it up now mm-hmm. not even for him yeah so I come from a different perspective with it I actually would have broken my tv if she hadn't killed Kang and had deferred to Loki and gone with him. So for me, it made all the narrative sense in the world for her to kill Kang. He represents the TVA and the TVA, it turns out, has been nothing but lies. So Sylvie has no reason to believe that Kang is telling the truth here. And honestly, we don't know how much of what he said was truth. And I think that that statue on the end confirms Mm -hmm. there's a lot more going on here. We don't know how much he wanted. We we still don't know how much he orchestrated all of this, how much he was manipulating things. But I think Sylvie, while yes, she was in an emotional mode, what these, what Kang had done to her, essentially her entire life. But at the same time, I think she was looking at the big picture. Her and Loki were both looking at the big picture. They were just seeing it differently. Like the way two people can look at the same piece of art and see it differently because she's Mm -hmm. also seeing it as freeing all the people like her. I don't want, not only do I need to do this for myself, but I need to do it for others. It has happened to people, you know, maybe still stuck in the void or people it could happen to because people deserve to be free. So I think Loki was right in the sense of let's take a minute and think about it. But in the end, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure I would have done the exact same thing Sylvie had. Amy knows I would have let the kiss spin out quite a lot longer. Uh, but in the end, <laughs> I would have done the same. And, and, that's, and that's partly because my own journey living with chronic illness for most of my life is so similar to Sylvie's, mm-hmm. that just daily grind of survival. Mm-hmm. Can I just yeah. ask then, would you would you have signed the Sokovia court, Accords? Because I got, I got to I'm gonna move and take my head out of Loki for a minute. And but it, it's that whole thing about freedom or being governed and what, right. you know, right. what is the right thing? So the difference there is you have that document here, right? This is exactly what's happening. Whereas with Kang, you don't know if he's telling the truth or not. You know, so he might have been completely full of shit about the multiverse. And, you know, the other part of it is I wanted the multiverse. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because this has opened up so many, so very many possibilities. So in terms of story, in terms of narrative and in terms of two women being empowered, I think it was important for Sylvie to make the decision she made because how many times have we seen a woman give up her goal, give up everything she worked for, for a man? Yeah. And that would have broken my heart if she'd done that. Yeah, because we are criticizing Sylvie for willing to give up Loki as a partner and getting her vengeance whereas we've seen countless men do that in various shows and movies 
And if, on the other hand, she had given up her vengeance and decided to go find a corner and be happy with Loki, we would have shat on her there too for giving up her life's work. Yeah. And at the end of the day, the multiverse had to happen in some way, right? Mm-hmm. If every character uh, did the perfect thing and the rational thing, we wouldn't have drama. We wouldn't have anything to do. It would have been a boring show. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I agree with uh, what Chris said, actually. I don't see it as a selfish action. I think, actually, I'm not sure she made the wrong choice, to be honest. Exactly. It looks like it right now because it, she triggered the multiverse and and he who remains described this as chaos and war. But basically the choice is eradicating free will for the sake of order and peace or allowing free will but getting chaos and war and I'm not sure the first choice is better than the second, to be honest. So exactly. Yep. It, it looks like she's made a mistake, but I'm not sure she has. And as Chris was saying, I'm also not sure that he was not just lying. And I think she she genuinely thought that he was lying. Uh, there was also, of course, the fact that her revenge was getting in the way and her judgment was kind of impaired. But I, I still think she truly thought she was doing the right thing. And and also, I like the fact that, you know, narratively, yes, it was a bit frustrating because you saw her make progress. And in episode five, you saw her slowly kind of begin to, to open up to Loki, finally. And it would have been easy to decide that in episode six, she was ready. And now the relationship was blossoming. But, you know, real people, when they make progress, sometimes they also have setbacks. Like It's not progress is not always constant. You can make progress and then suddenly you fall back into your old ways. So I I mm-hmm. like the fact that, mm-hmm. you know, this relationship was new and it was not strong enough yet to to make her give up her glorious purpose, if you want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're right. And I didn't see it as a betrayal at all. I saw it as a woman doing what she felt she had to do for the greater good and herself. And there's nothing wrong mm-hmm. with that. I think as women, we also mm-hmm. need to redefine the whole concept of selfishness. And this is something we talked about during uh, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, that women are so often panned for making selfish choices, but those choices may be what's best for them. Just because other people don't like it doesn't mean it's negative. You know what I mean? I wish mm-hmm. we could all see one another because I'm just sat here and I'm just nodding my head in agreement <laughs> to everything everybody's said. Um, and I think that's one of the things I like about discussions like this. It just helped me to see things from other people's point of view. I mean, even though you're even though you're all 100% wrong and I'm right, <laughs> it's nice to hear your point of view. <laughs> Melissa, are you I a think Loki fan? Yeah, yeah. No comment. I love being right. <laughs> I think for me to make one one last point, for me, uh, I see both sides because I was conflicted, but I also want the mm-hmm. multiverse. I think for me, how I justify it is I think back to the original Loki that we know, the Thor, the Avengers Loki, if you parallel to Sylvie, like they have a different, they had different experiences in their lives. But if you think back to, to during Thor, Loki felt betrayed. He felt, you know, he, he did a lot of very selfish things and he 
you know, he, he killed a lot of people and he, you know, basically unleashed an alien race on New York city because he was angry (laughs) and he, and, and that is something that was very selfish. And, and then once it happened, Thor was like, look what you've done. And he was like, he kind of realized like, well, it's too late now, you know? And I think what's different between that and what Sylvie did was, you know, Loki basically was being pawned by Thanos and his people. And he could have done something about it then. And he didn't because he felt he was very selfish and he felt very betrayed. But Sylvie instead took care of the problem, you know, and she decided to take, take it into her own hands and stop, stop it before it got worse. You know, it got worse in her mind, at least. I mean, we don't really know what is going to happen but that's how I justify it in my mind because I was very conflicted, very conflicted about the whole thing. Yeah. And you know, I think it's different for us as women too, because, you know, a lot of men just have no idea what it's like for somebody to take power out of their hands, to take control Mm -hmm. over their destinies, over their bodies, you know, away from them. And that, for me, mm-hmm. added a layer of, to things too. Especially, you know, as I said, as somebody who's been living with chronic illness and had, you know, many crappy doc- doctors dictating my own path because of, you know, bureaucracy, red tape, ego, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. So, for me, Sylvie putting that knife into Kang's chest was really a moment of triumph. Yeah, it's a big fuck you to the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. All right. Anybody want to add anything else about Sylvie? Well, I have to say, and this is probably going to be controversial, I was not a fan of the kiss. I, I hated it. Agreed. Thank you. Agreed. <laughs> Thank you. If you did, whatever, but personally, I, I... There were a couple times when I was like yelling at my TV, don't you do it. Don't, don't you dare. And, um, when it happened, I, so I would wake up at 3 a.m. and watch this show because that's when it came out. And so I'd watch it and I watched that at 3 a.m. and I was very upset. And then later in the day, I'd watch it with my husband and my husband knew my feelings about the situation. And as soon as that happened, he looked at me immediately <laughs> And I was like, don't even make a joke. I love that you called it the situation. Yes, the situation. I mean, I think that she used it as a way to get him out of the room. Yes. Like to distract him. Yes. yes. But I feel like they didn't need it. Absolutely. Yes. I I had the same reaction. When, when she kissed him, I just went, oh. And I had the same reaction when I watched wonder woman and diana kissed what's his name pretty boy and Mm -hmm. i it was not needed let's not even start on wonder woman that's Mm -hmm. a whole other three-hour podcast don't no i'm talking about the first movie first movie first movie okay second movie was a train wreck i'm talking about the first (laughs) one when she kissed him Well, I mean, my son's 16 and I was, I was watching, watching Loki with my son and my daughter's 12 and all three of us was like, Ugh. and my, 
my son because like obviously I'm a massive Game of Thrones fan so I'm used to like twin sets between the Lannisters yes but but this but this is a variant of himself so I I was like and then my son says that's not incest because that's self-cest mom and I said I said I I think it is you know um so for me that's masturbation. <laughs> That's beyond <laughs> masturbation. And that just, I found that really confusing and it, I, I just didn't like yes. it. Yeah, the whole twincest in Game of Thrones and even the incest with uh, John and Daenerys is far more palatable mm. than this one single kiss Oh, was. don't get this one started on Game of Thrones. She'll go on all day. <laughs> I I actually completely disagree with all of you on this. So do I. Not sure the fact that you got me. It's not, okay. <laughs> not just, I, I do agree on one thing, which is I thought the kiss was not very well done. But for me, it's more that it was rushed, and yeah. I was honestly I did not like the finale much. I have to confess that because I thought they spent way too much valuable screen time on the lecture on the multiverse. And personally, as I said, I'm. I'm more of a Loki fan than an MCU fan, so I was not thrilled about this. And I felt mm-hmm. that the rest of the, the <laughs> core of the story, Loki and Sylvie, and also the TVA plot, they just did not have enough time to develop it properly. So I, yeah. the reason why the case I thought was not very convincing was that it was too hasty. But for me, it made, it made complete sense for them to kiss in that episode. They had been building up to this in episode three and four, like, Episode three, uh, sorry, episode four, they were all very confused and Loki tried to declare his feelings, but thankfully he did not do it because I think both of them were just too confused. But then episode five, he was far more, uh, he probably knew what he was feeling, but she was still very confused. So it made sense for me that by episode Mm -hmm. five, by episode six, sorry, they would actually uh, move on to a kiss. And I really don't think she was just manipulating him. I think if you look at her face, it's obvious that she's moved for real and she does know that she's probably going to push him away, but I don't see the case as a, a tool to manipulate him at all. And I don't I also don't agree at all with the self-test or incest thing. For me, the show has been trying to make this point for you know, ever since episode three and even episode two, in fact, because in episode two, the first thing Sylvie says is don't call me a Loki. And then she says, it's not about you. So she keeps asserting that she's not the same person. And for me, that's really a major theme mm-hmm. throughout the, the show that both of them have to recognize that, you know, yes, they do share a certain nature as low keys, and maybe it's more of a function, like they're agents of chaos. And they're in this loop where they're kind of destined to fail because the TVA has written down this narrative. But that's really all they share. They're, they're very, very different in almost every way, I think. Sylvie is very, very different from Loki if you look at her character and her behavior. And and for me, they're really not the same person at all. And, you know, I know some people say they have the same parents, but I would say we have no idea how variants work. I mean, you've got variants who are very similar. Mm. They look like a younger Loki, like a younger Tom Hiddleston, like Jack Veal, or Richard E. Grant looks really like an older Tom Hiddleston. But you also have like alligator Loki and boastful Loki. And, you know, <laughs> so it's such a... We have no idea. They never explain how variants are even supposed to work. So for me, I'm, I'm not right. bothered. I, I was not, honestly, I was not sold. Um, you know, at first I was not thrilled with the idea when they first, they first started suggesting that he might fall in love with a variant of himself and it was supposed to be like self-love. I thought that was not good. But for me, that's not what it is. In fact, on the contrary, I think he 
he started off, sorry if I'm talking too long. No, you're uh, fine. He started off as, uh, I, I think at first his relationship to Sylvie was unhealthy because he did try to see her as a mirror of himself. He was kind of always making these small um, remarks that she was not you know, up to his expectations. Like, I would never do this. I would never treat me like this. Why are you doing that? And she was like, yeah, well, I'm not you. Um, so I think on his side, she, he was trying desperately to see her as a photocopy of himself, as he said. And he maybe started being interested in her in that way. But then his learning curve was to recognize that she was not, that she was her own person. And she, on the other hand, she had the opposite problem. She rejected any connection to Loki's. And now she's come to agree that, you know, they do have something in common when she said we are the same. But then she went back to say we're not the same. But they're the same and they're not the same. I mean, I yeah. think that's really the message. But I would say overall, they're really much more different than similar, in fact. Yeah, Charlotte. So that explains why I don't have a problem with the kiss, you know. Yeah, Charlotte, I agree with almost everything you said there. I think the show went to great lengths to show that they are different people. So I never felt creepy about it uh, in any way. Maybe that's because I was not, maybe that's because I did not watch Game of Thrones. So <laughs> I didn't have that in my mind. But um, <laughs> Well, it's not just about that. It's uh, you're kind of biased, to be fair. Let me continue, Missy. (laughs) (laughs) So I thought the kiss was perfectly done at the right moment. Now, in fairness to Natalie, I myself too was saying in episode four, when they're on the rock, don't do it. Don't do it. Episode Mm -hmm. five, even though I was being melted on my couch by those puppy dog eyes, don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> but mm-hmm. episode six, different story for me. So I think it was actually important that it was rushed because it lent even more attention to what was happening. The choice that Kang was giving them and the time pressure of it, it reminded me of the time I went to buy a used car and the dealer was super <laughs> shady. And at the time, like 25 bucks for a deposit was a lot of money. And this guy was trying to play me against like an imaginary person who also wanted the car. And I didn't know what to do. I'm 19 years old. And I I didn't know. I just like hung up the phone. I didn't know what to do. And I lost 25 bucks because of it. And I think it was important in the moment for everything to be rushed because it it leads to more ambiguity over right and wrong in terms of the decision making so mm-hmm. we've already seen sophie's not sophie god i keep doing it even six weeks later <laughs> <laughs> sylvie is not good with words she's not good with emotions and why would she be she's been utterly alone mm-hmm. for centuries but we see as charlotte said we see her face the feelings are very real And I think Mm -hmm. the idea of saying the kiss was just a distraction kind of does a disservice to Sylvie in that regard. It kind of takes away some of her power, you know, because she's had this development. And (laughs) I also wouldn't want to take away from her the very honest and true feelings that Loki is offering to her because she's never gotten that validation, that love before. So she had a quick choice to make. She knew what she was going to do. She knew she was going to kill Kang. She knew she was going to send Loki back. And 
has to figure he's going to be hurt by this. I got to show him. I don't have time to tell him. I don't have the words to tell him. I've got to show him as quickly and succinctly as I can how I really do feel about him and that I really do care. And mm-hmm. for me, that kiss said, I love you. I'm sorry. Goodbye. Right. Yeah, I think I'm with you on that. Um, I, I've watched this episode three times and I'm still not quite sure what I feel about it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was coming. I really, I, I wasn't surprised by the kiss. It was going to come at some point. And he, he would feel betrayed. But I think he did feel betrayed. I mean, you saw the devastation. That actually, that was the first scene he had to film when they came back after the pandemic, right? The break for the pandemic. Jeez. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Talk about throwing him in at the deep end. But I, I mean, I think she had to do it. This was her whole life. It was all she'd known. So yeah, I, I agree. If he, if she'd just given up on it for a man. I probably would have felt disappointed in in her. Yeah. So yeah. I don't. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't think, based on his reaction, that Loki felt betrayed by her. I think the devastation is, oh God, I've lost her. Oh God, what have we done? But I think a very mm-hmm. important line that kind of gives us a little insight into Loki's reaction to this is when he says to what he thinks is the Mobius, he knows. We made a terrible mistake. Mm-mm. He doesn't say yeah. Sylvie yeah. made a terrible mistake. He says we, even though it was not his fault, even though he did everything in his power, short of killing her, to stop her, he is still taking ownership mm-hmm. for some of this. And that is leaps and bounds away from the guy we first met in episode one. So I think that yeah. was a tremendous mm-hmm. bit of character development in one word and also you know giving us a little insight into how he still feels he's not throwing her under the bus he doesn't seem angry he's crying he's frantic he's scared and i think he doesn't feel betrayed but he's heartbroken that he failed at convincing her i think he you know it's unfair because this time he was really being honest um as he said he's still seen as a guy who can't be trusted um it's very very sad because he's he was very sincere and he did everything he could to convince her and she still did not believe him. Yeah, and I, I think yep. this whole series has been largely about giving Loki a taste of his own medicine. And I think he now feels exactly how Thor felt when mm-hmm. he watched his brother let go and fall into the abyss. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, too, going off that, this Loki and the TVA hadn't gone through some of the experiences that you know, we originally saw, and I think originally in the other timeline, I guess, if you want to say, he kind of did get a taste of his own medicine, but this version hadn't, you know, mm-hmm. experienced that. You know, people don't trust me no matter what I say, no matter what I do, because of what I've done in the past. Absolutely. So that brings us full circle to Mr. Hiddleston and the character that he has been playing for 10 years now. First off, I really want to credit Sophia DiMartino for her performance. Mm -hmm. I had never heard of her. I think she Mm -hmm. was absolutely incredible. And Mm -hmm. I think even more so, 
beyond the fact that she was doing all of what she did while breastfeeding, let's let's just right. give that a little yeah. ladies round of applause. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and she had, you know, she she left her country too, her home country. Yeah. to go do this show. Yeah. Yeah, in the middle of a pandemic. Mhm. I think a lesser woman would have been very intimidated taking on this role. Mm-hmm. You know, from a guy who is so popular and so like, you know, critically acclaimed across the board and she mm-hmm. was with him toe to toe, matching him beat for beat at every turn. Agreed. And what he was asked to do for this show and what it appears he's going to be asked to do moving forward with the multiverse is kind of insane. (laughs) He loves it, though. He does. And that shines through so much in this performance. My God, Pompeii. (laughs) (laughs) You just know he wrote that Latin speech himself. I know. (laughs) He definitely translated that on his own. I had no doubt of that. Yeah. That wasn't Loki. That was Tom Hiddleston. (laughs) Yes. 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 That classics degree was finally useful for something. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. Also, that Professor Loki moment when he started explaining about duplication casting and stuff. And apparently it was something that Tom Hiddleston had done and they put it in the show. Of course it was. That happened at a table read. Of course it did. Yep. It had him written all over it. And to be fair, I'm the kind of person who would do that. So I found that really funny. <laughs> yes, I think it was it was Richard E. Grant who called him Lokipedia. Yeah. <laughs> I wish they'd filmed the Loki lectures, though. <laughs> yeah. Yes, me too. Anthony Mackie called it a, sympo- a symposium, didn't <laughs> yes, they? Yes, he did. Yeah. Loki symposium. Oh, that was hilarious <laughs> when they all ganged up on him. <laughs> Uh, for for yes. those who haven't watched it necessarily, Melissa's talking about the uh, Variety TV Fest. Yes. Uh, with uh, Paul Bettany, Elizabeth Olsen, uh, Anthony Mackie, and Sebastian Stan. Mm. And they were very, yep. very quick to jump on uh, the senior nerd of the group. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think the fact that Hiddleston is such an MCU nerd is so important for this show because he has such an intellectual and emotional investment in the character. Yeah. I don't think we would be talking about this show if it were not for him. I agree. Oh, absolutely. Because uh, I mean, he's um, obviously it's been 10 years. He's done so much of the character, but we would not, I mean, his popularity and the way he's put into so much depth into this character, we, we would not have a show without, without him. And I also think we should give a round of applause to Kenneth Branagh for not casting him as Thor and casting him as Loki. Yes. That is, I have my issues with Mr. Branagh, but that is definitely one huge thing I will yeah, credit but him that for. was one of the best things he's ever done. Yep. Because this was the first, um, Thor was the first movie that I saw in the MCU. And I I went to see it because um, Idris Elba was going to be it. And, I, and, and I'm a mad, mad Idris Elba fan. I remember. Yeah, me too. I remember grabbing my cousin's knee when he came on the stage. I was like, he's here, kind of thing. So <laughs> that's, that's, I went, I went to see that movie. And, 
but he to me he stole the movie loki stole the movie even though the movie's about thor and consistently he's yeah. been more popular than thor has throughout um you know throughout the three movies um and i think it says a lot of, about him as an actor but also about how he portrays the character because there is a I just understand. I understand what he's feeling. I, I I get it. His his home life was absolutely crap. You know, he's got this really overbearing father and this like incredibly attractive brother who's going to rule. We didn't even know about the secret hold, older sister who'd been imprisoned by the father. So yeah. the the, 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 di- the dynamics the dynamics of the family were just so chaotic and. Um, toxic you know um and then I guess I think about as well I know nobody nobody ever says that um Thor is it Dark World I can't even remember the title of it but yeah nobody ever says that's their favorite one but what I but what I did always love about it was you know when his mum dies that devastation in him and um I really enjoyed that they brought it into this program because I think that was it was really important for him to see that and I said I think if he had he not seen that in particular I don't think he would have changed as quickly as he did yes that was a very powerful moment episode one I don't know about you guys episode one knocked me on my ass yeah 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 (laughs) everything it was emotional it was I was Mm -hmm. not expecting what we got and it speaks volumes about Hiddleston as an actor that he gave us what is now one of the most moving scenes in the MCU. And there's not a word. It's just him Mm -hmm. reacting. Mm -hmm. And I thought Mm -hmm. to myself in that moment, I've never seen his face do that before. Mm -hmm. But he's got a wonderful face though. Like he's got an ability to emote Mm -hmm. that is just amazing. I mean, Obviously, people are always going on about how handsome he is and everything, and he is, but I, I really think there's more to it. It's really more like both his voice and his face are just, mm-hmm. and even his body language, mm-hmm. he's just so good at communicate, communicating things. And, you know, his eyes are so expressive. His yes. voice, also, he's got a wonderful voice, and he knows exactly how to use it to convey emotions. And in particular, in the first episode, I was really impressed by this Um there's one line, I think it's when he, he, he gets angry because Mobius is telling him, you killed your mother. And he says, I'll kill you. Mm-hmm. And really the way he says the line, like from the beginning, he was kind of cocky and, you know, like Avengers Loki. And suddenly when he says, I'll kill you, you can, you can hear that it's a hollow threat, that he does not even believe it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's really all about the tone of his voice and the way he says that, that you can just, you don't believe him anymore. And you can see that he has, stop to believe in himself as a villain as well mm-hmm. and and what I like the most I think about Tom Hiddleston there are many things I like about Tom Hiddleston <laughs> but uh, one thing I really like is that he he's very intelligent he's gone to Cambridge and he's got this classic uh you know his degree in classics and everything he's a nerd but he's not a snob and you know he takes this very seriously he takes his role as Loki just as seriously as he would take any other role even like Shakespearean roles and everything so he mm. he does not treat this as a lesser form of art in a way you know mm-hmm. um, 
he's very happy to play Loki. I, I always see people who say he's losing his time. Why does he do more interesting things than the MCU? And, and it really annoys me because first, he has done a lot of other things. And second, I think he doesn't see it that way. When they asked him, would you play Loki your entire life if you were asked to? He said, yeah, no problem. <laughs> and I think we will hold him to that. <laughs> You're absolutely right about that. Yeah, I was incredibly impressed by um, the first episode. I mean, I I found WandaVision really, um, the, the first two episodes I just found really uncomfortable. In my, I was felt uncomfortable in my skin watching it. Um, it just felt really eerie. Something didn't feel right. Uh, really, really loved Falcon and the Winter Soldier first episode. I, you know, mm-hmm. just really getting to know the characters. And then we have Loki who... Like I said, I feel I know him more than the other people who've done the, the series. Um, but, you know, I think the fantastic thing about it was it wasn't the Loki that was killed by Thanos that we met. It was the Loki who wanted a glorious purpose and to take over Earth. And so he'd, he'd not he'd not matured yet. He'd not grown yet. And he he wasn't in a position yet where he realised that his dad and his brother did actually love him. He's he's the Loki who only felt love from his mum at this time. I I kind of I loved how we met how we met that Loki and just the level of insecurity that he had and and anger and resentment and and that feeling of entitlement and just how quickly when you know one meeting with Mobius and yep. and and opening opening the drawer of um I can't remember the guy's name and seeing all the uh, the stones in there and realizing actually I'm so incredibly insignificant yes you know I have no power here and I, he he just plays it really well with his face. He doesn't have to say much for us to kind of really understand exactly what he's feeling. So I thought that first episode was absolutely fantastic. And, you know, Melissa, you're right about that sense of insignificance and powerless. And it's funny how small Loki can sometimes seem, even though he's ahead over everybody in the room half the time you know, physically. So we talked about that with Renslayer too, about how she puts out this presence, even though she's a tiny woman, whereas Hiddleston is doing the exact opposite. He does that too in uh, the Mm -hmm. present Loki scene where he's trying to like make himself as small as possible in the corner, trying to make himself invisible. Mm -hmm. And, you know, on that note of growth and maturity, another reason I'm glad Sylvie made the decision she made is because I think... I think she's not ready for a relationship, but she deserves it. She's earned it. With Loki, I think he's ready for a relationship, but he doesn't deserve it yet. He hasn't earned it because he still has to atone. Like we said, this is a guy who's killed a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And this multiverse breaking open, this is an avenue for him to atone. Yeah, I think maybe he's yeah. going to face some of his variants. I don't know. It would be interesting now that we have multiple timelines and possibly multiple variants of everyone. 
that you know some some people many people including me were expecting the finale to be about loki facing a, a, a more evil variant of loki mm-hmm. and we did not get that and that was something i was a bit disappointed about because i thought it would have been very meaningful but we might still get it later maybe maybe the the, the second season will be will involve loki facing other variants and not just you know in one very short chaotic scene as in episode five where he was just like oh my god this is hell but, <laughs> but like facing an actual variant who's become powerful and who's actually doing evil i don't know yeah i'm so excited at all the possibilities if if for nothing else than to see hiddleston do it too because <laughs> the range that he shows within this single character is just incredible the comedic timing yes. as well. He, he's very funny. Yeah. And, and again, I said he's not a snob, but he's also not afraid of looking ridiculous. And that's another thing I love about him. It's that, you know, he's this heartthrob and he could just be like brooding and intimidating and that would work very well. But it, especially in episode one, he gets humiliated a lot. And then mm-hmm. there are lots of scenes when he's a bit, he looks a bit silly or a bit ridiculous or a bit awkward and he does that so well and he's willing to appear in this light you know <laughs> oh yeah he he's a chameleon he and and he likes you know he likes to have fun with what he's doing he lives and breathes it i mean i i don't know if you guys saw a video that sophia posted of him running to set in his loki costume yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He loves to run, but he yeah. ran. <laughs> and I think somebody else, I think it was the guy who plays Boastful Loki, said, Yeah, he would get up at 3 a.m. and run and then come to set. And he just has so much energy that he puts into the roles. Yeah. He was he trying to get, he was it. trying to get Sophia DiMartino to run with them. And she said, I told him no and sat down and had another donut. <laughs> I'm with her on that. <laughs> I'm totally willing to go run with him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd have to. But I don't think I can to... match his pace because my legs are about half the legs. <laughs> yeah. pace, so he would probably be way too fast. Yeah, that would be for me. That would be a carry me moment for sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, Charlotte, I have a leg no. cramp. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I do love running, but I'm very tiny, so <laughs> yeah. when I see him, yeah, as you said in the show, like the the light jog of Tom Hiddleston is probably my maximum speed. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so you could run and he could walk beside you. That would be perfect. <laughs> you know, that's one thing I thought was really great, too, is that in episode three, he's the one trying to keep up with Sylvie. Yeah, that was so funny. She's this tiny when little so thing. Fit. Yeah, it just added even more to the strength of her character. Yes. And I think what also speaks volumes about Hilson is that he was more than happy to fully share this show with Sofia DiMartino and let Sylvie's story shine. You know, there's no toxic masculinity within him. No. Yeah, and he works with women a lot as well. I mean, he's been in a lot of projects that were directed by women. Mm-hmm. Uh, Coriolanus was one of them, the Nat Manager. Mm-hmm. Uh, his first two films, well, not the first two, but his earliest films were directed by uh, Joanna Hogg. Joanna Hogg, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sorry, Charlotte, so, but I can't um... forgive Crimson Peak. <laughs> <laughs> And Chris, I can't forgive you for making me watch that. 
<laughs> that movie terrifies me, so... Ian McGurr's not like Crimson I, It's not that I don't like it, it just terrifies me. Really? It is a bit scary, but I, I like it. Oh, I laugh my way it through it. It terrifies Tom, too, apparently. I don't know how he got through it. <laughs> I laugh my way through it. I think it's absolutely hilarious. <laughs> it's not supposed to be, and that's the problem. Uh, Mr. Del Toro, if I ever meet him, we're going to have a conversation about what feminism actually is. <laughs> All right. So we've broken open the multiverse. We've got Loki ostensibly more fucked than he's ever been at the end of this episode. We don't know where our Mobius and B-15 have gone. We don't know what's next for Sylvie. We've got no idea where the hell or when the hell Renslayer is going. So what do you ladies either want to see in a season two or what do you think we might get what do you definitely not want to see what do you think personally i'd like more richard e grant mm-hmm. i think just remember loki's don't don't die i second that yep <laughs> i'm so torn about him because he was amazing and i would love to see more of that performance but at the same time I don't want to ruin his arc and his sacrifice. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 It's, it's like the diehard sequels, which I have on my mind because Loki is basically the John McClane of the MCU at this point in that costume by the end of it. <laughs> is that the, the sequels ruin the ending of Die Hard when it's like, oh, they're going to be fine. They're You know, everything's going to be good. Mm. So I don't know if I want to let, if they could figure out a way to keep Grant's arc there in place, then I would be okay with it. But you could also be playing another Loki. I mean, since Hiddleston played several Loki variants, there's no reason why we couldn't get Richard E. Grant, who was amazing as an actor, I think. He could be back as another Loki, like an evil one, for example. Yeah, that would be great. I'm totally yeah. on board for that. Yeah. Hmm? Like an old King Loki? Because I think yeah. he could be too perfect. I mean, when, when I heard of his casting at the very beginning and people were not sure if he was a Loki, I, I watched a few interviews and immediately I was like, he's definitely a Loki. He's got everything. Mm-hmm. He's got the, the yeah. piercing blue eyes, the voice, the charm, the hands, yeah. even everything was so much like Loki. So I, I would definitely like to see more of him, but not necessarily as the same character, because I, I agree with you that the arc was perfect as it was. You know, what's funny is that, you know, Richard E. Grant had said he wasn't surprised when he got this call. He'd been waiting for a call like this because they both knew the resemblance was so strong. They, you know, but it's funny because Richard E. Grant could never have played Odin because they couldn't look alike since Loki was adopted. Right. True. He's even the exact same height as Tom Hiddleston. Yeah. Mm I mean, for me, for me, what I, what I, I don't want to see, I don't want to see relationship. It, it just, it I never, ever, it never ever made sense to me because they're variants. So I don't understand. Even now, as I'm trying to talk about it and make sense of it, it just does not make sense to me that you would would do that. And um, yeah, there, I mean. We all know people who think they're absolutely fantastic and we say, oh, God, they love themselves so much. But, you know, like this is like literally two, they're variants of one another in a relationship. And I, I, I just really, really didn't like that. I thought when 
I, I mean, I got confused with the lamentous thing and the nexus thing. I thought, it, I thought the nexus was occurring because they felt they didn't feel lonely anymore. I didn't think that meant they were having like feelings for one another. So, um, and I, I saw like a lot of fan fiction of them in a relationship and I was like, well, well, no, that doesn't make sense. Why would that happen? So I, I've obviously missed something that other people could see that I couldn't see. So that's the thing I, I don't want to have happen. Um, I'm really excited about what it means for the multiverse because I found Kang, I found him to be really menacing. I mean, he was only in one scene and, and, and had that conversation. And, and I really, I believed what he was saying. He's saying like, you know, I'm the most decent one of the rest of me. And, you know, he's there hiding out basically from himself, from variants of himself. And he has created all of this, created the, the TVA, you know, prunes everybody, kind of takes away people's free will because he's that scared of variants of himself and now the only person keeping it all together has been destroyed so i'm really looking forward to meeting his variants and seeing you know how how are they gonna fuck stuff up mm-hmm. yeah i mean we've got this we've got spike we've got spider-man coming um i'm still yeah. waiting for this trailer god only knows when the trailer <laughs> will come out and and then we've got multiverse of madness we've got quantum mania so we've got these yeah. three movies coming out which i cannot wait to see what what kang's death has caused in these other areas for sure natalie how about you I, I I agree with Melissa. I was kind of struggling with that relationship. And for me, I, I was trying to, it, it took me a, like, you know, I watched it, the finale, like three times. And finally, by the last time, I think I tried to rationalize it as, um, you know, I hope that, that it doesn't really turn into a relationship. I get where people see it as one. Um, and how people don't see it as one. I think they're both just confused and I, I don't, I don't know how I'm going to wait for season two. Cause I just want a lot of answers. And I feel like we got so many more questions. We got the big answer who's behind the TVA, but there's a lot of mm-hmm. things that are Loki central plots that we didn't get answered. So I hope that we, you know, find out what, is going to happen with their relationship or whatever you want to call it. We find out, you know, where does Sylvie go from here? Where is Renslayer going? Uh, How does Loki convince Hunter B-15 and Mobius, you know, that they're variants and this is a different timeline. It's kind of going restarting all over again, you know, and I really, really just want Mobius to get his jet ski. Yes. Yes. Just want yes. you know if if they're ending the show with season two, if they're not going to do a third season, just at least have a closing scene <laughs> of Mobius riding a jet ski off into the sunset. Absolutely, that's that's what I want. You know why it kills me even more is because Owen Wilson lives in friggin' Maui. You know he's got a jet ski. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's just what, all I want. I want closure for him. He needs a jet ski. Yeah, I think we can all agree on that. And last but not least, Charlotte, how about you? 
Um, yeah, I totally agree with what Natalie was saying. I I was also very frustrated by the fact that we got so many, uh, so few answers. In fact, I I was well, I was a bit first. I, I kind of watched the finale with the wrong idea because I did not realize that it was conceived as a two-parter. That this second season was already planned and they were not going to finish there. So I expected many more answers from the finale, and all we got were more questions apart from. Mm -hmm as you said, who's behind the curtain, but that was not the one question I wanted to uh, know about the most. I, I had loads, lots of questions about um, Sylvie in particular. We still don't know what her Nexus event was. Mm -hmm. uh, Renslayer claimed she did not remember, but obviously she was lying. Uh, we still don't know exactly why she was taken by the TVA. Was it that she was born a girl? Was she even born a girl? We don't know who, who her parents really were as well. I mean, it's not very clear and she does not remember them at all, which is also a bit weird. She was not that young when she was taken. She was maybe 10 or 12. I don't know. So there were so many questions that I had about Sylvie in particular. So I hope they don't just give up on these uh, questions and they actually do keep uh, the main characters that we already know at the center of the story. You know, that's my fear. I do think the relationship is going forward. I'm sorry. I know some people are raising this, but for me, it's obvious. And at first, I wasn't convinced, but now for me, it's obvious that it's a real relationship, and I think they're going to patch things up. But I most mostly what I fear is that what will happen with season two is what happened with the finale for me, which was that they sidelined the main characters in favor of Kang and the multiverse, which, in my opinion, was not at the heart of the story, but. That's also because I'm not an MCU fan. I'm a low-key fan, so I don't really care that much about the multiverse and connections with other MCU projects. So I, I understand if other people are excited about this, but personally, I want to see the story go back to its main characters. And mm -hmm. Mobius, obviously, and maybe also B-15. She was so cool. I would like to see more of her and her former life, maybe. And what else did I, what do I want from season two? Uh, I had another idea that I'm, I forgot. Okay. Mobius on the Jesty is a must, absolute must. And, <laughs> and yeah, I, I want more. I, I want the same amount or even more low-key dramatic hair flips. That's what I want. <laughs> Always. It is going to be global news when that man dyes his hair again. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I can't wait. <laughs> I really thought it was, uh, again, amazing dedication. And he, he was stuck with the Loki hair for like a year because of the pandemic as well. Yes. He probably did not expect that. Yeah, it did not look good on Zoom. Somebody needs to teach him how no. to properly manage that hair when it is long. <laughs> yeah, but to be honest, I, I also have curly hair and it never looks good on camera. Uh, it's just, it looks good in the mirror. And then when you open the camera, you're like, oh my God. <laughs> so I, I relate. And like, you know, many guys are not used to having long hair as well. But I think it looks good in the, in the show, though. I, I really think it looks better than the wigs. I, yes. I think it's great. It does. Even though it's messy, yeah. but it fits the character. And I like the way that it gets completely chaotic as well <laughs> just to reflect yeah. Loki's chaos yeah it really added to the chaos uh of both Pompeii and uh that final scene mm. in episode two at the Roxcart yeah. yeah I still don't understand then and actually I, I agree with what you say about you know there's more questions than answers and Sylvie put it when she was in the during that hurricane and she put different things in different timelines, you know, to blow up the timeline. And and we saw 
that we saw the timeline becoming chaotic Mm -hmm. in the um, operation room, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. What actually came of that? Yeah, nothing. I think they they just fixed it. It was, I think it was teased as a kind of big thing, but in fact, it was just a distraction for the need to send all the TVA workers everywhere. So they would try to fix what had happened and they probably just pruned all the timelines and and the point was just that while they were doing this, she she hoped that she would be able to get to the timekeepers. I don't know. That's what I understood. But I thought the lines yeah. went across the red mark. Or am I imagining that? No, they were headed that no, way. it was close to yeah. it. Yeah. It was close to it, but didn't go over. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, no. it was a diversion. She just wanted them to scramble out of the TVA so that she would have a free path to the timekeepers. So we got the, we got yeah. the sense of, we got the sense that all those Minutemen going out were able to stop those branches in time. In time. Okay. If that makes sense. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right. So that about wraps up the last six weeks of Loki. Ladies, thank you so much, Miranda, Natalie, Charlotte, and Melissa for joining us. This was a fantastic, productive, constructive conversation between women. I love it. Yeah, it was wonderful. I like that we all had different viewpoints yes. too. Yeah. Yeah. Assuming that Marvel gives us enough time between Disney Plus series, we are planning to do one of these listener roundtable episodes for every show. Yes. We feel very strongly about setting an example for healthy, constructive conversation, which means giving a voice to as many perspectives as possible. Join us next week as we finally talk about Black Widow. And if you haven't already, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Marvel Madams and share your thoughts with us. We enjoy talking with all of you and we might just ask you to join us on the show one day. And check out our website, themarvelousmadams.com, where infinity stones are a girl's best friend.